Okay, okay. okay. What's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. Today is Sunday, April 15, 2018. I'm your host, Quentin, coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. And today, I've got a special guest. Um, This special guest used to beat me up a lot when I was a kid. And I might or may not be permanently scarred from it. And he is also a St. Louis Cardinals fan, which if you know me, you know I'm a Cubs fan. So there's a lot of um, a lot of arguments that go on during baseball season. This is my older brother, Jonathan. What's going on, man? Not much. Good to be here. Good to be here. And, and for, so your audience knows, you deserved almost all of those beatdowns. Oh, no. Not me. Not me. You were a little tired at times. Now, is this and, uh, where we're going to talk we, about me throwing the He-Man action figures in the dog cage? Where they? Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, there's no telling what those things have been worth. Those are like, you know, the, the 1982s, 83 He-Mans and Skeletor that were fed to fed the bird dogs. Yes, <laughs> yes. What were their um, names? Ace and I don't remember. Ace and Duke. Ace Duke and Duke. Yeah. You know, I don't remember doing that. Um I maybe I kind of do remember doing that. I remember the cage in the backyard, and yeah, I guess I was just being. I'm a middle child, you know. I think honestly, you beat me up, and then it caused me to do those things. <laughs> it could have been the other way around, but you know, it's a chicken or the egg, I guess. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, you know, this is the reason. This is the other half of like my middle child syndrome. You know, we have a little sister who is. Um, you know, we broke her leg probably like 10 times growing up. So after we broke her leg, she would run to mom and say, you broke my leg. It's like usually her leg was broke whenever she was kicking one of us with that leg. Exactly. Right. uh, Or like when we would be at the swimming Oh yeah. And then we'd be at the swimming pools and like, you know, splash her with water or throw in and she'd be like, I can't get wet. And you know, it's like, we're all swimming. What are you doing? You know, but yeah, she's, I think recovered from her broken legs and, uh, Mm -hmm. then here we go. But yeah, you know, interesting story about us. You know, we grew up in Southern Illinois. Um, you grew up a Cardinals fan. I watched a lot of Braves baseball and a lot of Cubs baseball growing up. Then as I got older, I guess I just became like this masochist, like someone who, um, just wanted to watch a losing team more and more. And so that's kind of how that went. But um, speaking of kids, actually, this is kind of what I want to start with, man. Your youngest right now is uh, starting T-ball. Yes, the the three year old has a uh, he had his first game last week, and uh, for the for a three year old, he, he is he's probably the best hitter I got for a three year old. I um, saw some the... of my four year olds who are in their second season are doing a little bit better, but no, he is uh, he will whack that ball off the tee. We're still working on some soft pitch where he can hit the he can hit the ball out of the air on a soft pitch. Really? Um, but he he's uh he's coming along for a uh, for a three year old. He's doing quite well. He's got a good swing actually. When I saw that video, like it didn't set into me that that was a three year old. I was just like, whoa, he can really hit the ball. But now I know you had mentioned that you kind of have to you know, teach him to run the bases. So in the video, you were kind of like guiding him up to first base. But now if I'm not mistaken, didn't you tell me that he ran to third base? And then just went through the opposing team's dugout and hung out with some friends. Oh, oh yeah, well, that, that was during a practice. That okay. was during a practice, yeah. Um, yeah, we were practicing. Um, it was actually our practice before that game. He was on third base, and uh, next batter was coming up, and I look up, he's not there. He, he has exit third base dugout, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's socializing. That's awesome. He's definitely. This reminds me of like when Prince Fielder was. I think this is when he was with the Rangers and like caught a foul ball in the stands and just started eating someone's nachos. Like I could totally see him just like being one of those guys, kind of like the yeah, Manny yeah. Ramirez, the very social type. Like I'm going to hang out with the fans and give them what they want. So, 
Yeah, he, he like he likes talking about you know his his video games or his toys, and he has to let everybody know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, now you're coaching the team, right? So you're not just teaching him to play yeah. baseball. You coach. What is that like, man? You're like a three and four year olds. That's what you're working with. Yeah, the, yeah, the three and four year olds. Um, after you get done with a game or a practice, you're ready to go to bed. Um, it, it is it is fun, but it is you're uh, you're essentially trying to keep cats into a you know a a baseball field and trying to um, keep them focused, but they are, they are a ton of fun, but they are, it's, 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 you have to be high energy to keep them engaged into, in, into the game itself. Oh yeah. Um, but, but it is, uh, you, I mean, it surprised me how well three and four year olds can, um, of course, you no, know, the fielding, they don't do that. They do really well on what you would like to see, but mm. as far as their batting, um, they're picking up batting pretty quick. Hmm. Um, so it's a, uh, by the time these kids get into second grade, they're going to be pretty wicked with a baseball bat. You know, I feel like that's the way kids are these days in general. Like they come out of the womb, they know how to use an iPad. I feel like they're bigger than ever. You know what I mean? Like kids are growing up so fast, like height and stuff like that. Like you see a 10 or 11 year old and they're like five, 10, just like, I remember what was it like last year watching part of like the little league world series. And a lot of these kids look like, I mean, you sure you're not like in high school, like what in the world's happening right now? But, uh, um, oh, yeah, the, <laughs> I got a, a nephew from the other side of the family who is in a, he's in first grade. So he's playing like junior rookie uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. And there is a kid that is, Man, I bet he's five two already. <laughs> How old and, is he? And and and, and, and I think he's technically a second grader, but I'm pretty sure he's failed a couple times. Dude, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, he is massive. This is this it's reminds like, me of like the Little League World Series when it's like the kids say they're like ten, but they're really like fourteen, and it's like how yeah, old it's like, are that you? Birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, what was that boy? He ended up pitching in Marion on that minor league team. I cannot think. Of oh his yeah, name. I remember that actually. Um, yeah, and it was he was that. he was famous, but yeah, it turned out he he had a false birth certificate and was four years older than he should have been, or something like that. Um, I cannot remember that kid's name. I, I don't remember either. But, dude, do you know who else used to pitch for that team? Now, what we're talking about is, like, the Southern Illinois Miners. They're, like, in the – what league are they in? The Frontier League. Is yeah, that, the, that new deal. Yeah. From, um, you know, Tanner, Tanner Roark, who pitches for the Nationals, pitched uh-huh. in the Frontier League for the Miners. At least they produce somebody. Yeah, I mean, he's been pitching pretty good this year for sure. But, um, yeah, I wish I remembered what that kid's name was who uh, on the birth certificate thing. But now what do you guys do, like, after the game? Like, are we, like, full refreshments? You guys going to Dairy Queen, like, still keeping that stuff intact? No, the, um, they don't – this this is uh, – they do things different here in uh, Kentucky on their, on their Little League. Um, in fact, this is the they switched from little league to to uh, Cal Ripken baseball oh. because apparently until until this season you couldn't steal a base even if you were like in in the the rookie league so you were third and fourth grader you were they weren't stealing bases so is that and what Ca- is, so, that's not baseball so I don't understand what the Cal Ripken league is like is that just like a particular league based on rules it is it, it is a little league alternative and um. Little League is actually losing. This is their last year, or maybe last year was. I think this is their last year of having that ESPN contract mm-hmm. um, with the, the Little League World Series. Um, Cal Ripken is going to take over. Oh. Um, it, it, it is more you're playing baseball, and you're playing more baseball rules in um, Cal Ripken. There's a uh, 
it is going to, it, it's almost, well, it's basically identical to what me and you played in Little League. Mm-hmm. Um, Little League has put in so many rules to make things safer for the players. Oh, like no stealing bases and stuff. It, yeah, and it, it's, you You have essentially lost um, bat restrictions and things like that. You've, you, you're losing baseball um, because we, we, we tried to get safe. And I understand safety, and safety is important. Um, but it's hurt the game at this point. you got kids going into middle school who haven't been stealing bases. Um, trying to try it for their for their middle school baseball team, um, and they they have no experience stealing bases. Um, we're, in, we're in Ripken. You're able to do that. You're able to learn that aspect of the game. Oh, yeah. To me, that, that that makes a world of difference. Do they lead off and stuff, or do they have to stay on the bag? Um, in those other leagues, they they um, ooh, um, there is a, I can't remember what the age break is where you actually get the lead off. Um, I think it may actually be in the. the Think you're trying to think of the age breakdowns. I think it, yeah, I think it's by third grade. You're you're able to lead off and still base in third grade here. Because I don't remember when we played when we were able to lead off, but I know like in the younger years you weren't. But um, so th- that's a pretty cool thing for sure. Um, and there's and they're enacting that now where you're playing at, or they're about to. Yeah, we yeah, we ha- we yeah we ha- we this year we switched. Of course, t ball you don't steal. Um, yeah. With with um, but uh, yeah, we um switched to Ripken baseball, which is real baseball. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> um, for sure. But yeah, it, to me, it's it's a much better league, um, and they're they're easier to work with. Just the because uh, you have to get your league approved and sanctioned, and um, you know, get get your league going, and, and they're just much quicker to work with. Ripken is those people there are much uh. They're more on the ball than what Little League was. Yeah. Well, they gave um, you guys like real hats and stuff like the picture I saw. Like they've got like real like L.A. Dodgers hats and oh, the Dodgers gear and oh, stuff like oh, that, yeah, which it, is it's, awesome. It's, it's official licensed. Yeah. Officially licensed MLB logos. I mean, it's yeah. merchandise. Um, yeah. They're, they're nice uniforms. Uh, nice hats. Um, yeah. They um, they don't got that. That. Uh, no, that fishing mesh in the back I dude i remember the <laughs> i remember those hats back in the day like they fishing were the weirdest mesh. it was almost like you had you were like a cone head because the hat had like the weirdest bill on it yeah. and then like the hat itself was like so tall it was just obnoxious i kind of wish i had one still but it was definitely the weirdest hats and like we never had cool team names like the Dodgers, you know, we were like, you know, whoever our sponsor was like the first team I was ever on, I think was Olin, which was like some sort of, um, I, I don't know, maybe some sort of like Monsanto like company. I'm not really too sure. Um, but we never had any cool teams and we had some really weird, weird hats, but, um, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. How many teams do you guys have in that league? Like a lot of kids um, playing? We had, we, oh yeah. We, we, um, we ended up having eight teams this season. Dude, we actually so had enough awesome. for nine teams players, but, um, we lost, but we couldn't coach shortage. Yeah. Um, so we got some large, we got large, eight large teams. Um, but yeah, uh, T-ball is the biggest league this year. Um, biggest that they've ever had, I think. And it's, it's doing, uh, doing quite well. Is that like um, the funnest thing to coach T-ball? I feel like I would love it. The, it, it is, it is fun. Um, I'm looking forward more to whenever we never get round into the, uh, you know, the, the actual pitch. Oh yeah. Um, you start, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, no, um, and, it, and it's a, it's a, it's a whole different atmosphere. You know, just coaching your kid out there. Yeah. Um, getting them to getting them to teach them how to play the ball and, uh, yeah, and kid, kids can be competitive too. Um, oh yeah. Even the three and four year olds, we actually have one girl I had to send out to the, uh, not quite to the outfield, but she was cause T-ball, they can't hit the ball to the outfield anyways. That's what mm-hmm. rolls there. But, uh, 
she she's a trash talker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no, she she uh, in a real game she would have been ejected for throwing dirt in the face of an opposing player. Oh, that really happened. Uh, yeah. Oh man, go oh, for yeah, her. Oh yeah, yeah. She was she was my she was my third baseman. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she got a little aggressive. So what uh, happens? So when the runners get the third, she like throws some dirt in their eyes to make it where they maybe like can't see or something. Yeah, run the wrong way, can't yeah. touch home plate, you know, and get lost. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing ever. Um, shoot, well, I guess we'll get into some baseball talk. Speaking of like baseball and like just being fun, Shohei Otani, that's what we'll talk about first. Like he had a phenomenal. Well, gosh, like two starting like two weeks ago, and I know me and you were texting back and forth. Obviously, today he didn't pitch, which I almost cried when like the Angels Royals game was canceled because every Sunday I've got it like ingrained in my head now. Like I know Shohei Otani's got to pitch, so it's like clear the schedule, do everything I have to do, and it's time to watch Shohei pitch. And the weather is like doing something crazy because there were six. Um, oh. postponed games and it's eating our fantasy league alive right now. Like it, I know you got ten of my players. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I like that's what I get for having all the players on certain teams. Dude, I had I that guess. too on like Thursday or Friday because I have like a bunch of Phillies because they were all kind of available. So I picked up like Kingery Hoskins. I've got their catcher Jorge Alfaro, which apparently throws a baseball harder than Wilson Contreras and hits him really hard too. So I picked him up immediately. But like I said, me and you were texting back and forth in that Otani game, which was that was on April eighth. So that was his second start. Um, we was pitching against the the Athletics man, and I don't know about you, but I watched. I started watching that game probably about ten minutes behind, but since I was skipping past commercials, I finally caught up to it. That was one of the most exciting baseball games I've watched. Man, I had a blast watching that game and just watching this guy who had just hit three home runs the previous week come in and just shut these guys down with this this fastball that started off 96 miles an hour so you're kind of like oh why is he throwing slow but by the time his outing was done he was back up to 100 he's got this 90 mile an hour splitter that looks like it's coming down the middle but pulls this like David Copperfield trick where he cuts a body in half and the ball drops to the middle. And then he's still like his breaking stuff is working good. Um, what'd you think of that game? The, uh, and, and great observation at the beginning where no, he was, but he started the game throwing 96 and I believe oh, yeah. I sent you a text yeah. going like, I, I think they're going to have to rest in two games exactly, out before yeah. he pitches. Uh-huh. Cause he just doesn't got the velocity. He had the first game, but like, mm-hmm. I think it was the third or fourth inning and even into the fifth inning, He's upper 90s, all over 100. He's, he's oh, 98 yeah. miles an hour with mm-hmm. that fastball. Um, and I think he went into his – the last thing he pitched, I think he was still throwing 96. I know. Um, he, but it just I, took him yeah. a while to warm up. Yeah, I remember for sure. I remember seeing him throw 100 once. But honestly, like – I think that's probably a great idea because instead of coming out of the gate – and I know it was like that um, – shoot, two nights ago – or yesterday I was listening to Jordan Hicks pitch on the radio and he came out of the gate because he was closing out that game when the Cardinals were playing, maybe they were still playing the Reds. I think it was the Saturday game and he came out pitching like 96 or 97, then started to gear up and kind of hit a hundred. And I wonder, especially for these younger pitchers, if that's not the better way to go, because even if you've warmed up in the bullpen a lot to still go out there on the mound and like right out of the gate, maybe you don't have to show these hitters 98, 99, 100. But as you get looser, go ahead and gear up to it. Um, and, you know, maybe yeah, that's what Otani did because like 96 and 97 will still get him out. And 
if a you know if, if this is the first time the hitters have seen you like that day, or maybe you've only been through the lineup twice, then maybe the third time through the lineup, go ahead and spike it up to a hundred. You know. Yeah, and, and it's and this may be something that the, the pitchers are doing now to help with injuries. Oh, Whenever yeah. you're throwing that hard, um, if you just kind of hold a little bit back in the beginning, so you do loosen up. Like, no, you did come out of the ballgame, oh, yeah. but it's not quite the same. Oh, exactly. Um, like pitching in the pen versus being in the game, like super amped up, having like a runner on first, you know, those sorts of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, even uh, – even there's, there's pitchers today who do that throughout the entire game. Like Carlos Martinez, a guy will be throwing 94, 96, well, 93, 94, most of them, all of a sudden a 98 mile an hour fastball comes in there. Out of yeah, I know, but that stuff no, will still it, get the guys out. If you're, if your off speed oh, yeah. stuff is working, because if you ever watch like Kyle Hendricks or I think, I feel like maybe I saw that with Charlie Morton yesterday, guys throwing 93, 94, but the hitters are so far behind because they just got eaten up with a, um, like a 70 something mile an hour breaking pitch, you know, but I think it was, it was during that Otani start. He threw a curveball. I think that was, I've got a screenshot of it. I swear it was 60 something miles an hour, but I might be wrong on Shohei Otani's breaking pitch. But that oh, no, game was- to me was so exciting to watch because I know, and I think I had this conversation with you, but I'd also like um, had it on the podcast as well because his spring training he looked so lost in the batter's box. Awful. 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 <laughs> like his like his footing, like after he would swing, like he was all over the batter's box. None of it looked good. He didn't pitch well. He pitched against like the Tijuana Toros and gave up eight runs like in two-thirds of an inning. But uh, I read an article where apparently like um, players from like Japan, like they don't take spring training the same in the sense of like they're going out there and like trying to do really good just as much as um they're maybe like just testing well, things and trying to figure stuff out yeah i mean otani felt comfortable he didn't have to earn a spot on the rotation yeah. or on the team i think he thought you know i got this spot mm-hmm. um which it seems to be this may have been what carlos martinez was doing too all spring training he was working on that fifth pitch he could have been um that he's that he is just tearing it up with now um, but he looked awful in spring training. Don't say when we get to regular season, you know, he has a rough first inning, his first game. But other than that, he's looked good. I mean, I think um, Carlos yeah, Otani flipped the switch. Oh, and yeah. Just, he's on. Well, he had like the footwork thing, too. So he came over with like a super high leg kick. And now he's doing like he doesn't have a leg kick, but he's got this little toe tap where like he turns his foot in or something. And like a lot of scouts were barking at him in like spring training because his swing was too long and this high leg kick. And I feel like one of the things with him, which I think you see it with guys like Aaron judge and definitely with Mike trout is you can really see the talent level of these guys when they make these really quick changes. So Shohei Otani may have had a, like a real swing problem in spring training because, um, you know, a lot of scouts say the type of curveballs that they throw in, uh, you know, nip and professional baseball, they're not a, to uh, the skill level of what it takes to hit one in Major League Baseball. And I think maybe what we've seen with Shohei is a lot of, you know, the hype with what he could be might really be the case because one of the things that shows how good of an athlete he is is how he was just able to make this quick change and go into spring training and say, okay, my swing's really messed up because these guys throw a lot different. And now he's abandoned the high leg kick in the first week he hits three home runs, which is crazy to me. 
Yeah, the um, which Bryce Harper you mentioned some players who who adjust their swing. Bryce mm-hmm. Harper was doing that at the beginning of the season. He hit, sometimes he was kicking the leg, sometimes a toe tap. He, he was just his yeah. swing was different. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's got to be he identified though. with the pitch coming. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got to be with these different pitchers though, because heck, they throw anymore. Every team's got a starter that throws ninety eight. Before I forget though, the pitch range, the pitch speed range from Otani last Sunday, his fastest was a hundred. His slowest was 68 miles an hour. So he threw a 68 <laughs> mile an hour breaking ball. I took a picture of it when it showed up on the screen because I was like, there's no way that anyone's going to believe this. 68 miles an hour, and they can hit you right back with a 98 mile an hour ball. Like, do you think it's crazy? I can't believe it. Like, is this, the, this is my favorite baseball player right now, Shohei Otani, to watch because he just does stuff that's like the last guy to like win a baseball game as a pitcher and then hit three home runs and then start again was like some guy in 1919. Like back when like people used outhouses and like phones weren't even invented. That's <laughs> like, you could literally the last time someone did what Shohei Otani did, you could go buy a Ford model T brand new and that's what you were driving as a vehicle. I don't get it. Like I'm going to go buy a model T and then I got to go use the outhouse. And this is what's happening in real life right now. It's crazy. What do you think his season looks like? Do you think, um, like, do you think the yeah. Angels will start to use him more? Like, what? Like, what, any thoughts on this? I, I don't. I think they're going to stick to their 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 six man rotation where he's pitching once a week. At, no, he, he'll pitch no more than once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, um, that's going to cut down on his bat time. I don't think they're going to change that because they, they they want him to pitch, but they need his bat. Oh, as yeah. well, big time. So they so they have to find that balance. But one thing that it's going to do, it's going to create a interesting conversation come MVP voting time. <sighs> um, what do you, if you do if Otani wins fourteen games pitching once a week, um, and has his ERA right at three or right under three, and and the guy hits twenty home runs batting three hundred and something, both three hundred. I mean, that's it, an, that's going to that's it, it's it's going to be a different dynamic come MVP voting time. Even mm-hmm. though he may not be the best batter, may not be the best pitcher, he's doing both. So how do you treat a guy oh, like yeah. that? Oh yeah, I read an article on Fangraphs I think like last week, and he racked up a full win above replacement that week that he started, hit three home runs, and then started again. And like that's happened before, but it doesn't happen a lot. And on a pace like that, yeah, you will run into a guy that's going to have a decent amount of wins. He could have a sub three ERA, hit 20 something home runs. And like, I mean, we might run into a situation where he's rookie of the year and MVP and he might get a few Cy Young votes. Like, I really don't know, but um, I feel like everything they said about him, I hope it's true because this is just so fun to watch in baseball. But yeah, MVP voting will get interesting well, because he's also has uh, Mike Trout as a teammate too. So there's going to be a lot of conversation with that. Oh yeah. It's uh, yeah. The, the Dodgers could easily, or not Dodgers, the different LA team, the angels mm-hmm. could have two of the most popular players in the league. And they, they most likely already do. Oh, there's yeah. Otani jerseys and shirts everywhere now. But, and um, I've been, but, yeah, well, I watched a lot of, um, a pretty decent amount of LA angels games last year. Because when I had bought the MLB package, I realized that I could watch Mike Trout games. And he was having a really good season last year before he, and he like broke his finger sliding in, I think, second head first. So he missed a few games. But I found myself watching a lot of Angels games. And then coming into this year, I knew uh, – I, I like Jake Arrieta as a pitcher because I'd watched him so much. So I wanted him to sign with the Angels. 
because I knew I was going to watch a lot of Angels baseball this year. So even this season, I've watched a ton of them. And right now, they're running like, I've got, they're 13 and three right now. And they've got a pretty decent lineup. Like Albert Pujols, who, like, is, I think he's like 38 or something right now, but he did not have, I think for the first time in like four years, three or four years, did not have to have an off season surgery. And then, like, they picked up Zach Cozart and then Ian Kinsler. They've got a pretty good lineup right now. Um, I know starting pitching for them was kind of iffy, but I feel like Shohei Otani just being in the clubhouse alone. Like, I remember the scene where Shohei hit his first home run, and then he came back to the dugout, and they gave him the silent treatment. And then Shohei just starts, like, shaking people to get their attention. And before you know it, like, the whole – the whole dugout is like jumping in excitement because this oh, guy yeah. just hit his yeah, first home that, run. Yeah. And like, that's the stuff I love beyond like wins above replacement and all this type of data. Because like, not only do you get a guy that could win, like you said, 14 games, hit 20 plus home runs and have a three ERA, but it's like what he does to the clubhouse, like makes the moves that the angels did in the off season so much better because now the clubhouse dynamic is so different. And then on top of that, you have Albert Pujols who's been in the best shape that he's been in, in the last probably three years because he had a great off season. He could actually condition this team. I, I think they're going to win the wild card and you'll see him in the playoffs. And that's all I want more than anything is to see Mike Trout. He's been in the playoffs once before. And I think the angels got swept, which may have been like five years ago, but from like a baseball yeah, fan perspective, God, I want to see this team in the wild card. I want to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, the, the the Angel fans have been suffering. That they, they you know they they've spent some money. They've gotten players. They've gotten yeah. big names. They they gambled on Josh Hamilton. Yeah, uh, which I would have done the same thing. It didn't work out, but I would have done the same thing. Oh, hundred um, percent. No, the Angels have been aggressive. Um, they just haven't got those wins, and the fans are they're still putting forty thousand fans in the seats yeah. every game. Mm-hmm. Um, LA is a dedicated baseball town. If you count them and the Dodgers, they're putting 80,000 people in the stands oh, yeah. every game. Um, that, that, those are, uh, LA is a baseball town and, uh, it'd be good for the city to get the angels in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think it'll just be great for baseball because like to see Mike Trout in the but, playoffs, like I remember last year when the angels played the nationals and you had Harper and Trout on the same field. It was such fun baseball to watch. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that, that's what I was going to If you had a Angels and Nationals World Series, it oh would probably gosh. be the most watched World Series just because of the – well, uh, we'll have to say three names now, Otani, Trout, and Harper. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it is – and those are th- probably three of, the best play- three of the best players in Major League Baseball right now. And it would be an exciting World Series to see. Oh, I would be so pumped for it. And, like, I'm so glad this is working out for Shohei Otani. Like, and I take it for granted, like, what he's doing. But he's a 23-year-old kid who, first of all, passed up on millions of dollars. Because if he had waited till he was 25, he could have signed probably, like, a $200 million contract. But instead, opted to play for the league minimum of like $540,000, take like a $3 million signing bonus, which is still like $3 million. But now he's in like a new country, doesn't really speak the language, um, is playing in a completely different league. And then he's on a team with uh, probably two future Hall of Famers at least. And like he's still doing such a phenomenal job. And one of the things I loved, which because all of these things I think show 
Shohei Otani's character passing up millions of dollars, right? So you get this guy in your clubhouse that has a true love for the game. Um, the, the ability to, like, make this transition, like, sometimes, like, I have a panic attack when I go to Walmart and it's really busy and I can't handle it, right? This guy is, like, five times, you know, <laughs> ten time zones away in this new league playing at this new stadium. Like, his best friend is his translator. All the coaches he ever knew are completely gone. And, like, he's still putting up huge numbers. Like, this to me, I wonder if that this isn't going to be the one of the hardest times he has in Major League Baseball, and he's still playing up to this level. And then on top of that, I know last Sunday when he blew his no-hitter, we finally got to see Shohei Otani like in a pressure situation because a lot of times when pitchers lose their no-hitter, stuff starts to like fall to pieces. And mm -hmm. I think he had um, allowed a hit and then walked a guy, so he had two guys on with one out and then got like a soft grounder, back to him that he threw to first base and then struck the next guy out, which I think was Matt Olson, which is a guy that can hit a fastball really good. And so Shohei Otani maybe had to throw him the splitter and some breaking stuff. So I love this kid from like a, from like a, a clubhouse dynamic, like being like a real baseball player standpoint. Yeah. His, um, he said his love for the game. He came over for the love of the game. And I think also he's just confident in his talent that he knows he's still going to get that big payday. He wasn't worried about oh, missing. Yeah. He knows he's going to get it the next way, next way, uh, the next go around. He's going to pick that up. Oh yeah, and that um, to me is so huge because we're in this day and age where like athletes will leave a team for like just the money, and that's like, I mean, I get it, but I, I don't want to sound like some sort of like you're rich already type person, but it's super refreshing to see someone play baseball for just like strictly the love of the game, not like chasing like big money contracts and not being like in a winning situation. Like I knew that's what like Jake Arrieta was going to do. And even Alex Rodriguez had alluded to that when he was young. Um, Cause we'll get into like the Bryce Harper contract situation. But last um, Sunday on like Sunday night baseball, I think it was the Mets and the nationals playing and Alex Rodriguez had pretty much said if he could go back in time, he would have went and played for the team he really wanted to play for for less money, which was the New York Mets. But instead, he didn't kind of really follow his gut. He just went for the money and mm -hmm. went down to Texas and basically said he regretted that decision. And um, I mean, I don't really know what to say other than I just love this, like what he's doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and th to touch on that, you talked about his composure. Um, mm. Yeah, to see him lose that no hitter and just and recover and shut him down um, last week as well. You seen uh, Sutter was had a no hitter going against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Cardinals drop a bunt, break up his no hitter. The guy melts down. Oh yeah, um, and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. After after that first hit, which was a bunt, he just it, it was done. He got he, shook. He, he yeah, it. yeah, he did. Um, he lost that momentum and could not recover. I mean, there's not out of all like your three major sports, baseball, basketball, football, then throw hockey on there. Major League Baseball is the most mental. Like we saw it with like you, Darvish, and even like 
and I know Rick and Keel has a book about it, which I cannot, I've got to order that book about like major league baseball being just this huge, like mental game where like things can get in your head. And then you have this guy like Rick and Keel who had all these tools and kind of just lost it because of the yips, you know, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing is a real thing. And I think oh, that's yeah. huge to know you have this 23 year old kid who can fight this stuff off. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, even Chuck Knobloch, second baseman. He couldn't throw to first, yeah, right? <laughs> he made, no, yeah, he made, he made a couple bad throws from second to first, yeah. and all of a sudden it's in his head. Done. And if it was an easy throw, he couldn't do it. But if he had to make a diving catch, didn't have time to think about it, he was on the money. Because it's like that um, second yeah, you think about it. Yeah, um, but no, you're right. It, it got him to hang kills. Other than maybe NFL quarterback. Yeah, that's and, true. And NFL kicker, you know, the place kicker. Yep. Those, those are those high mental jobs too, but – Basketball doesn't have anything compared to a free throw. That's not the same. Not even um, close. But yeah, the mental pressure in baseball, outside of two positions in the NFL, it, 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 uh, with the pressure on a pitcher, is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, which was, you know, Jordan Hicks of the Cardinals, young kid, got a, not Martinez's start today, but one before, comes in with runners in scoring position, never has been, never has pitched in Major League Baseball. With runners in scoring position, rookie gets out of the jam. Pressure on. Oh, it's just yeah. incredible to see young kids be able to handle something like that. Yeah, well, he did that in the start that was when whatever start. I don't know who started that game, but I was listening to it on the radio. And Jordan Greg Holland pitched the eighth, and Jordan Hicks came in to pitch the ninth. And I think Jordan Hicks maybe got like the first out, and then gave up a hit and then walked a guy and the guys on the radio were like, Oh, it looks like Jordan's overthrowing. Like he's trying to throw a hundred, but he doesn't have it yet. And sure enough, he calmed down. And I think, uh, I don't think he struck out either one of the next two guys, but he got them both out and got out of that inning. And I know that's the type of stuff. Like I read the Cubs way by Tom Verducci. And I know when Theo Epstein, like put together his team in Boston and when he put him together, like in Chicago, like a lot of what he looked for was, um, who the player was as a person, like not just at the data and like how many home runs and how big they were type stuff, but kind of like who they were as a person. And I think a lot of that kind of transfers over to how a person might deal with stress um, either during a game or like in the clubhouse and things like that. Like David Price has had an awful time in Boston so far. It's because mentally he's just like he can't deal with it. Um and I think that's what a lot of guys are doing that are building successful teams is they're finding these kids that are, you know, have the physical aspect of it, but also, you know, can perform mentally, which I think is huge. Um, but I know the one thing I'm looking forward to, and then we'll move on to the next topic after this, but the Angels, so the two games Otani's pitched have been against the Oakland A's. Um, cause that was the way the angel schedule worked. I think they were in Oakland and then they came home to play Oakland and I know, let me bring up the schedule real quick. They play Boston on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Shohei's going to pitch on Tuesday at home against Boston, which is going to be a huge test for him because previously biggest stage for him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then after that, the Angels stay at home and play San Francisco. So if I count this right, one, two, three, four, five. If he's pitching every six days, he'll pitch Tuesday at home against Boston. Then he'll pitch Monday the 23rd in Houston, which is going to be – that's going to be must-watch TV for sure. Um, 
basically playing the world champs and then playing Boston, which Boston's also playing out of their mind. I think they're 11 and four. So, um, oh, yeah, they went, yeah, one of the hot, well, them and the Dodgers right now, probably the hottest teams in baseball. But, Mets are, Mets are doing good, but they played a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's how it is. Like in like Matt Harvey still is like 13 games in a row where he hasn't pitched over five innings, which is basically the whole entire Chicago Cubs pitching staff right now. I like they can't get us like besides like Kyle Hendricks, I think pitched like six innings and two earned runs. Their starters are playing awful right now. And I hope it's just like the cold weather. Um, that's all we can hope for. Okay. So let's jump in to the Bryce Harper thing. And then after that, we'll talk about the NL central. We'll talk about the Cardinals. Cause I think that's going to be a long conversation. So the Bryce Harper free agent contract, like he's, at the beginning of the season, he's like, I don't want to talk him and his phenomenal hair. Do you know Bryce Harper signed a hair contract? He's got a hair company now that as a you sponsor. You guys shampoo yet? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's got a whole Bryce Harper kit. So there's a company called Blind Barber. And so like and I uploaded the commercial onto like the Twitter as well, the Twitter, uh, on Twitter. And uh it's basically 45 seconds of Bryce Harper. Um, staring into the mirror, talking to his hair, and it's great. <laughs> and like, well, you saw the clip. You shared it on Twitter where Bryce Harper's mm-hmm. brother was recording with the two hair dryers. Yeah. So that was like a publicity stunt type thing, which was an intro into his hair care line. So you can spend 75 bucks and get the whole Bryce Harper hair care line. And I'm not going to lie. I'm about to jump on it right now because I want nothing more than Bryce Harper's hair. It's so good. <laughs> it's so voluminous. And like, I don't know what it is with him. But every time he, like, if he hits a baseball and starts running around the bases, his helmet comes off immediately. And now he's got, got like. You got to show that hair. <laughs> he does, I, I absolutely would. Like, I kid you not, if I was Bryce Harper, the second I hit a baseball, I don't leave the batter's box before I throw that helmet off. And then I just start letting that hair flow like a beautiful, beautiful river. And, uh. He's got the best of it. And this commercial is literally 45 seconds of him just talking to his hair. And he's like, bottom of the ninth, two outs. Bright. He goes, he listen, he goes, bottom of the ninth, two outs. Bryce Harper steps to the sink <laughs> and he's like doing his hair. And then his wife yells at him because he's in the bathroom with the door shut. And his wife goes, Bryce, are you in there talking to yourself? And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm talking to my hair. And I'm like, yes, it's the best ever. And, uh, Oh, it's so good. But, you know, um, the whole free agent contract thing is, like, coming up. So he plays this year, and, like, that's it. Like, he's done. He's going to be on the market. And, you know, um, Alex Rodriguez had a little bit to say on it during Sunday Night Baseball last week. But you could tell because he was like, I don't know Bryce that well, so I, I couldn't really give him, like, any sort of advice. But early reports have said anything from – um. 400 million to like, I swear I've even seen a couple articles that say that this guy could get half a billion dollars for a contract. There's no doubt. Like, I he's mean, gonna be the highest paid player ever. He, he, he will like he signs. Giancarlo Stanton hit 13 and 325 million, but Bryce Harper's a more valuable player. He's um from, from like a business standpoint, if your team's going to sign him, like he's definitely like this very like good looking edgy baseball player. Who's got, a batting stance that looks so vicious. Like he's kind of got, like he kind of looks relaxed when he starts his batting stance. And then when the ball's coming at him, it's like, he's got this, like you ever watch rookie of the year where um, like the kid breaks his arm and like he throws the mm-hmm. baseball and it goes like, oh, 
and it like makes this sound and then all of a sudden he throws like a 110 mile an hour fastball like Bryce Harper is just like standing calm in the batter's box and then as soon as the ball's coming it's like the robot engages and he like he he kicks the leg a little bit he like hikes the bat up and then when he hits the ball it's like Ken Griffey Jr. beautiful where he hits it he finishes his swing with like both hands on the bat, and then when he leaves the batter's box and starts to trot to first, he looks like he's like James Dean cool. Um, so like if you're gonna sign him to your team, like he's the coolest baseball player on earth, but right now, like he also might be the best player on earth. Like Trout, like generally takes like those wins above replacement numbers, but as it sits right now, he leads all the majors in home runs, he walks more than anybody. And if he signs a $400 million deal, I mean, I'm no mathematician, but 10 years, that puts him at $40 million. If he signs a 15-year contract, that probably puts him maybe like $35 million a year. I'm not too sure. Um, I guess my first question is, man, do you think the Nationals keep him? I do not. Um, the And this kind of goes on to what Alex, right? Unless his heart is just in D.C., mm-hmm. um, I don't see him sitting there. D.C. They have no fan base compared to other teams. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're averaging twenty six thousand people um, attending their games. Yeah. Um, granted, it's been fifty some odd degrees there, but in St. Louis, it's had almost identical weather. They're putting forty thousand people in the seat. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so you want to go play with some place where you feel appreciated. The, the money helps, but you want to be loved. You want fans in the crowd cheering for you. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting that in the nationals right now. No, they have, they're a, they're a, t- they're all time high attendance, which I had it up on my screen here and I've lost it. Um, their highest year is their first year ever in Washington. Um, at 33 at 30 and they were at RFK stadium, 33,000 people. And they have just been a steady decline. Um, whenever they actually got good and won 98 games, they started picking it back up in Mm -hmm. 2012. Um, but they're at their lowest point now since 2011, um, their lowest attendance marks. If you're trying to keep Bryce Harper in on your team, I don't care if it's 50 degrees outside, you go up to the stands and you cheer for him every game. Oh yeah. Um, you have to show the guy some love or he's going to go to a place where he's going to get that love. And you've got, you've got 40,000 plus people in, in multiple LA teams, both LA teams, San Francisco, St. Louis, Houston, New York, Boston, Chicago Cubs, even the Milwaukee is over 35,000 people in attendance. Um, there's, there's better places to play. Um, just to have that fan base behind you, um, than what you're getting in Washington right now. Um, and if Washington really, realistically, if they don't win the World Series this year, this is their best shot to do it. If they don't do it now, um, you're going to be dealing with, of course, Houston's going to be good for a while. Um, mm-hmm. You've got other teams. with. They, there's some solid minor league teams. Teams are going to be getting better um, coming at you. St. Louis, um, is just their pitching staff is going to take off here shortly. Dodgers still have a good minor league system, um, yeah. and they're one of the best teams out there. Um, Chicago Cubs, incredibly young team. Um, they're going to be good for the next, for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. I'm going to remember you just um, said right now that Chicago Cubs are good. And this is a recorded conversation right now, is, and I heard it out yeah, of your mouth. <laughs> um, th- yeah, this is, this is that, uh, no, where they're almost that Sandberg Mark Grace era, you know, where they're, where they're good for six, eight years. No, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, honestly, um, I think you're a little more positive on the Cubs than what I am right now, but I see what you're saying though. And you even got like the Philadelphia Phillies who are in a big market and have the money to spend and I mean, they've got a lot of studs coming up too. Mm-hmm. 
And um, well, te- Texas is a team that looks like they're going to turn it around here soon too. Um, but I don't see I don't see Harper going down to Texas. Um, he's he's going to want to win now. Um, so he's going to pick a team he thinks he can win now, make good money, a team with a large market um, that he's on the, that's going to help him for, sell his hair stuff, his hairline, uh, his hair products. That's true. Um, that's true. You know, and uh, um, of course, LA is a great baseball town. You got some big teams in New York, Chicago. Um, even though St. Louis is Midwest, it's a dedicated baseball town. Yeah. Um, been one for the last <laughs> ever since I've been alive in the '80s. St. Louis has been one of the most popular teams, putting uh, fans in the stands. Um, but no, I, th- I think he goes to a better baseball market um, where he can feel appreciated. You know, just outside of the dollar. Um, I mean, there's a difference between having 25,000 fans cheering for you and 40,000 cheering for you. Yeah, I know. I'm going to try to remember as much of this article that I read. And I think it was on, it may have been in the Washington Post where it talked about kind of um, just talking about like who Bryce Harper is as a person and about it almost just alluded to the fact that like his main goal is to like win and just play baseball, you know, where he's kind of like um, more of like a simple guy and not so much of like to chase for the money. Um, As Bryce Harper's gotten older, like when he was younger, he used to be super outspoken on like make baseball fun again and like that sort of stuff. But as he's gotten like a little older, he talks to the media a little less. He definitely declines more interviews than he accepts. And all of these things were kind of put together that all Bryce Harper cares about is just playing baseball. Kind of like Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout, I think, could have hit a big free agency contract now, but he signed an extension with the Angels, which I think runs out at the end of 2019 or 2020 because like, he just wants to play baseball. You know, he's not going to chase the money. Um, and which, which leads me to believe that you might be right on that where Bryce Harper, if anybody's the type of player that is going to play to be a legend and to have his name remembered, you know, a hundred years from now, I think Bryce Harper is that guy and he's been groomed to be that guy since he was, you know, 15 years old playing in front of like thousands of people. And I also think like he's built for that because as the pressure mounts on him with like, you know, since he came into the league when he was 19, which doesn't happen a lot and had phenomenal, mm-hmm. he's had phenomenal seasons in major league baseball since he's 19. And then now he's coming into his walk year where he's about to be a free agent and he's walking more than ever. He's batting over 300, a little over 300 right now. He leads all of major league baseball and home runs at seven. Um, I think you're right about that, man. I think that he's going to, at least I hope he does, not so, I mean, he's going to get paid no matter what, and he's got enough money for like the next five generations of his family, but I think he's a guy that's going to chase the legend. I think he's going to want to play for like this, uh, you know, a team that's going to win, you know, like the St. Louis Cardinals or who else. Um, And basically what I'm trying to say is, I, th- I think that's what he does. I think he's going to want to play baseball where yeah. he's going to say, I um, know I'm going to get paid. I want to be remembered and I want to be put in a position to where, you know, 50 years from now, people are going to be looking at the playoff games that I played in. Um, hitting yeah, clutch home runs, making big plays and stuff. If Bryce Harper, because you know, he is, 
arguably the best player in baseball now. A lot of people say, will say Mike Trout is, and probably all, are, all around maybe Trout is because of his base speed. But it, it's there's an argument for for Harper, but Harper, yeah. I guarantee he thinks it, and he should think it because he's got the talent to that. I could be the greatest of this generation, one of the greatest of all time. Oh yeah, and and to submit yourself or, or as as that greatest person, you want to be on that high profile team where you're in rivalries, you're in playoff situations. Yeah. Um, I mean, because Bryce Harper could go down. I mean, obviously he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I mean, he could go down as one of the greatest of all time, and that's the attitude he needs to have. And he he should be chasing that legacy to make himself because he's capable of doing it. Um, but you get a team, you know, if you go to the Dodgers, you got the rivalry with the with the Giants. If you land in the Jeez. Cubs or the Cardinals, you got the rival with each other. New New York, you got Boston. Um, I mean, there's just I, I think he goes to a team that has been around for a long time that has established rivalries that's proven that they're competitive year after year after year. Because um, that's what he wants to be competitive. Yeah. Um, and I think he lands in one of those teams that has proven themselves historically that they're, they're winners and they're going to do what it takes to win. Yeah, you're 100% right. The article that I was talking about that I like poorly tried to explain was from the Chicago Tribune. Um, kind of like when he was asked about like his big contract situation coming up. And, his, and when a guy answers, I don't want to think about that. Like I want to play baseball. This is what I was born to do and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Like his answers alone point to exactly what you just said. And like, that was why, um, at like during like this off season, when Giancarlo Stanton was like going to be traded somewhere, like I'm a Cubs fan through and through, but like, as I've started this podcast, like I've become more so of like an objective baseball fan. So when Giancarlo Stanton was like picking his place, like, I knew that um, a contract or a trade was on the table for like the San Francisco Giants and the Cardinals with the Miami Marlins. And my first thought was, and I think I'd even tweeted it or wrote about it somewhere, that Giancarlo Stanton should go to the Cardinals because if he wants his name to be remembered and to be put in positions mm -hmm. to where he's going to win a baseball game, like that's the type of franchise you want to go to. And on last week's podcast, I got a buddy who's a big Red Sox fan, and we had talked about... I don't remember if it was on the podcast or like just a one-on-one -on -one conversation we had, but it was about how the New York Yankees are the worst place Giancarlo Stanton could have picked to play because um, the environment's good, but the Yankees have always won World Series titles. And if anyone's a Yankees fan, they're going to hate me for this probably on like their payroll, right? And I've never felt like players could go to the Yankees and be the best versions of themselves because you're around just like all of these stars and you know like that particular lineup's not going to hold Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and Giancarlo Stanton in it because I don't know the reasonings behind it but teams like that don't hold up which is why like if I were Bryce Harper I definitely would pick a team like the Cardinals who have like that winning tradition and they win based on like the Cardinal way on building a team mm -hmm. as opposed to the, it's, just it's this payroll like the thing. Baseball. <laughs> exactly. You know, and when you have a lot of teams out there that spend a lot of money, they're trying to build a team just by, let's just buy the best stuff, right? Let's just buy the best players. That'll make us cool. Right. Um, but it, it doesn't work like that a lot of times. And then like, I know like currently Bryce Harper really values his relationship with Mike Rizzo, who's been a phenomenal GM for the nationals for, the whole time I think Bryce Harper's been in the league. And I know that the Washington Nationals have like 
a contingency plan because Victor Robles is going to be a really good outfielder. And you also like Bryce Harper is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. But at the end of 19, you've got Daniel Murphy and Gio Gonzalez and Anthony Rendon, who are all going to be free agents as well. So when it comes to like the Nationals, they might not make as big of a push as we think because they're not a huge market team. And they also like, like, so they can't afford to be kind of hamstrung by like a $400 million contract if that's what Bryce gets. And um, so that's why another reason why I think, you know, Bryce might go somewhere else. But if I had to pick teams for him, I kind of agree with you on that. Like, I love how the Giants run their organization. I've talked about it like a dozen times on the podcast about um, like how they're building this team this year and signing a bunch of 30 year olds and they have the oldest team in baseball. And like, you're right. Everyone's shocked about that. But like, at like it goes beyond the data and goes to like the eye test. Like I know Andrew McCutcheon's past his prime, right? He was an MVP in 2015, but who is he as a person and what can he do in the clubhouse? Right. And when you have a team like that, that builds their teams like that, I mean, right. The giants won three world series titles mm-hmm. in five years and we know what the Cardinals have done. So yeah, I would totally like him with like the giants or um, the Cardinals or, I mean, I don't think he goes to the Cubs because, and I thought about this too, with like the Kevin Durant factor. Right. So now that I'm thinking about yeah. teams and I know, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's basketball, but, um, athletes see that sort of stuff. Like, even if it's a different sport, like I know Giancarlo Stanton got a little bit of crap for like, Oh, you want to go to the Yankees? Like that's easy. They were one win away from the world series last year. And then Kevin Durant goes to golden state from OKC and, Like, he gets reamed on social media, any sort of media. Mm -hmm. It's like, Kevin Durant, what a lose. Like, you know, it's those sort of things. Yeah, and it's like the 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 Chicago Cubs already have something. They've got all the pieces in place. Like, where's Bryce fit into that? Like, what's what's he going to do? Like, he's just going to come and be Rizzo and Bryant's best friend? Like, that dynamic's already built. So that's why, like... I mean, I know like him and Chris Bryant are friends. I don't see him going to Chicago and possibly because him and Chris Bryant are best friends or not best friends, but like they've known each other forever. So it's kind of like that's Chris's thing. Like, I don't want to go over there. Like, where where else would I want to go? Um, and I, I like him to see go to a, just a low key franchise who doesn't spend a ton, who just builds their team on like their way, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the. Um, like you mentioned, of the Nationals, so that they're going to get, they could potentially get really bad really soon. Even though they do got some minor league yeah. prospects, but the but, but, but talent could start leaving Washington pretty quickly. Um, St. Yeah. Louis, you see a lot of talent leave, but they've always got more coming. It's, it's with the way um, it's with the way that they do it. It really is. Their, their, their farm system, they have, they just produce and produce, and it seems like outfielders have been for the longest time, but now it seems they're switching the pitching. Um, but they've always got outfielders. Even though you, they're always trading outfielders, they're letting them go. Dude. But they've always got outfielders in the minors. They, still coming uh, up there. you know, when they traded Stevens with Scotty in the off season because his mom has um, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. I remember in the, it was the 2015 season. I feel like, I think he was playing well for the Cardinals in 2015, and he had a good season and a good postseason that year, and then. But I might have 2015 and 2016 confused, but yeah, you're right. They always um, have a ton of outfielders and a ton of pitching. Well, we did. Uh, 2015, it was, he came in later in the season, um, but both of those first two seasons of his were good. It was last okay. last year he struggled a little bit. Because I remember um, – yeah. 
Oh, I remember watching those, uh, that NLDS with the Cubs and Cardinals played in 2015. And like, I know that Stephen Piscotty went to Stanford because that's all they would talk about. Mm -hmm. Like every time he would come up and slug like a big hit, they'd be like Stanford zone or something like that. And I'd be like, I don't care that Piscotty went to Stanford. Stop hitting the ball. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that was it. But yeah, with Bryce, man, I think, um, I don't know if I have anything else to add to that other than I just feel like who he is as a person. I think that's what he's going to go for in whatever team that is. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams that, you know, Phil, I, I think I read somewhere where they were like a lot of writers think the front runners or the Yankees and the Phillies, but I think they're just saying the Yankees just because like people were saying that Shohei like, Otani yeah. was the favorite to go to the Yankees too. But I don't see him going to the Yankees at all. I don't think he'd have any, I'd see him going to the Mets before I'd see him going yeah, to the he Yankees. Would. He would go. Yeah. Um, he's going to go to a place where he can win, but he needs, he's going to be that face of that franchise. He'd get lost in Chicago. He'd get lost in New York. Yeah. Cause you got so many people. Who's the star. Who's the team leader. Yep. Who's that guy. Um, and he wouldn't be that guy in, in the Cubs and Yankees, not least the way he would be if he was at the Mets or the Cardinals or no. the Giants. I could see, like, if um, I'm naming teams off the top of my head right now, I'm like Giants, Mets, Cardinals. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of it right now. I would love to say the Mariners, but I'm always like, I don't think the Mariners have enough going for them. And I know they have, like, a really aggressive GM, but sometimes I think he might not want to play out West and if he did, it would only be for the Giants because, like, sometimes, like, Mike Trout gets hidden out there. And I feel like Mike Trout's oh, getting more absolutely. publicity than ever now because of Shohei Otani. Because Mike Trout's a quiet guy. He's kind of like Bryce in the sense of minus the hair because he's not as cool or edgy as Bryce Harper is. So he doesn't get that attention. He's been so lost out there because he plays out West. And if his gay comes on, you're going to watch it at, like, 1030 and, like, you're going to be asleep, you know? Yeah, that that yeah, the, that's the bad thing about what. Same thing with Kershaw. Of course, Kershaw had the reputation of being the best pitcher. Trout had the uh, you know reputation of being the best hitter, mm-hmm. um, or best fielder. But you never got to watch them play. Um, no, they're in the wrong time zone. Um, half the country wasn't watching them. Mm-mm. I don't really think I have any other teams to add to that. I mean, he's got a better chance of definitely going to the White Sox because <laughs> they've got a and bunch of prospects and a bunch yeah. of money. Kershaw is also a free agent this, this yeah. after the season, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he, well, yeah, he's got an opt-out. And as long as free agency – yeah, as long as the free agency freeze didn't scare him, he's for sure going to opt out because um, – I'll tell you this. If his back holds up this year – because he hasn't won the Cy Young the last two years because he's had, like, back problems, right? So if that holds mm-hmm. up this year and he wins – 20 games and throws to a buck 77 ERA, he's going to opt out and probably stay at Los Angeles. Um, I haven't researched a ton, like where I think he would go if he left, but I imagine he would probably stay in LA because LA has got the money and they'll want to keep him. Yeah. I, I do. I do. I do think he'll, he'll, he'll stay at Pride and Dodger because mm-hmm. the way he was over the way he reacted to the Otani visit and, how do you react I, I think, to that? What I, do you think, mean? I think his heart is with the Dodgers. Absolutely. So unless the Dodgers just like refuse, or, yeah, so unless something goes south this year for him, what um, do you make I think of, he stays a Dodger. Yeah. What do you make of his postseason struggles? Like, is that something you put weight into, or has it always been just like the luck of the draw because he's the only good pitcher on that team most of the time? The I think what what I think what's got him is. Um, he ran into St. Louis. I remember that a couple go arounds, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned right at the beginning of the show, you now if something gets in your head, 
it's in your head in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's a mental game. And he, whenever he, those, he hit, he hit the bus saw the St. Louis Cardinals and they torched him. Mm-hmm. Nobody had done that to him before. And it was always St. Louis getting to him. Well, I think that just kind of stayed with him. We're getting into the playoffs. I got torqued by St. Louis the last couple of years, but then he goes against somebody else. That playoff struggle stayed with him. And oh, yeah. he did better this year than I expected him to. He's slowly getting over it. Yeah. Um, but the Dodgers had issues pitching it. Of course, I go against the Astros there in the world. But uh, the Astros had a heck of a lineup. But um, it, it's a, I think it's all mental with him. Yeah. Um, I think if he has like a couple, just if he can just rattle off a couple just shutdowns, um, I think he can get over it. Um, as long as a team not wearing Cardinals on their shirt doesn't go against no them, I think it'd be okay. And I remember, uh, but, uh, but, oh, go ahead. But yeah, the I, I think it's just mental. Cardinals rattled him, and in the playoffs, and I think that's all it is. Um, just a mental thing for him. Yeah, well, I know even in 2015, when him and Zach Greinke were both with the Dodgers, like the New York Mets ate him up, and the New York Mets were on fire that year. Daniel Murphy was hitting every single baseball he hit was going over the fence, and that was right when Daniel Murphy like figured out his swing the year before he signed with the Nationals. Um, and yeah, you know, Clayton Kershaw had a couple pretty good starts, I think, against the Cubs um, over the past couple playoffs, so... Yeah, maybe he's kind of getting there because I know in 2016 the Cubs had a good offense and Clayton mm-hmm. shut him down the first time, but then the second time because they had seen him, I think they put up like five runs and five innings on him. But speaking of the NL Central, so let's go into this Cardinals talk. Now, I know we both grew up in Southern Illinois. I'm a Cubs fan. You're a Cardinals fan. So don't like rub all of this stuff in my face too much, please. Um, that'd be really appreciated. <laughs> But, like, I've watched enough of, like, spring training for the Cardinals, and I've kind of figured out, like, what they have. And, like, the first thing that got me on the St. Louis Cardinals was Luke Weaver. You've got this guy that sits under six feet tall. He pitches the start of his pitch delivery. Like, he doesn't throw across his body like Jake Arrieta does, but he starts, like, his motion like Jake Arrieta. So when I noticed that, I was like, oh, I like the way he throws. Because a lot of times when I watch a pitcher pitch – if they throw like a pitcher that I've liked to watch, I'll watch him. So, for mm-hmm. example, like Steven Strasburg throws like Mark Pryor. So when I when Steven Strasburg pitches, like I naturally want to watch it. So when I watch when I first saw Luke Weaver, I was like, oh, like he starts off like Jake Arrieta. What's this guy about? And then like I had read a few scouting reports on him, kind of looked at some of his numbers about like you know how he's able to strike a lot of guys out and things like that. And I know last season with the Cardinals, he maybe started seven games or something like that and like put together really good numbers. So being like an NL central guy, right? I'm like, okay, so I'm going to read about the rest of this team. And then I ran into similar to what Clayton Kershaw ran into and the 2014 postseason against the Cardinals. I ran into a Cardinals buzzsaw. And so I'm reading the names, Luke Weaver. That's pretty scary. Then Jordan Hicks, Right. For the people that are listening to this that don't watch Cardinals baseball, Jordan Hicks is throwing harder than a Roldis Chapman right now and went from single A, single A baseball, yeah. where guys <laughs> make like five bucks an hour. He goes from single A to the real life Major League Baseball. Like Jordan Hicks, like 
this time last year was playing single A ball, maybe making $7,000 a year and eating lunch on a bus that he had bought from Quick Trip because that was the gas station as soon as he got off the interstate <laughs> to go play another single A game. And now he's a uh, 101 he can throw a fastball. His fastest fastball this year was like 101.97 or something. So he's basically throwing 102 miles an hour. And his delivery, I love. He's got like the Nolan Ryan like, like high leg kick, which is a super fun to watch. Angry, an angry oh, delivery. <laughs> he's such a nice kid, too. If you ever watch an interview from him, you're like, oh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. And he's got a baby face. Like He looks like he's 16 for real. But then – the list he's only keep, 19, isn't he? <laughs> he, he might be 19. Who really knows? And then, like, also, like, I don't know if Tyler O'Neill's like a really good prospect. I think they got him from like the Blue Jays in some trade. But Tyler O'Neill, I think, is the guy that looks like he can bench like 500 pounds. And his dad was a Canadian bodybuilder who was like 5'10. 250 with like 5% body fat. So <laughs> his his genetic game is strong. But then closing out the wrist, like Alex Reyes just came off of Tommy John surgery. I think he's going to pitch. Is he going to pitch this year? Yeah, um, they they have because one, I think because Jordan Hicks was doing so good, um, looking so good for as young as he was, um, that I think they decided, well, they, they're taking it slow. They even said, like, we're going to take him back slow. No, our, yeah. our ball pin's better than we thought it was going to be. We're not going to rush him. Um, Matt Bowman's a workhorse. Um we, we got Greg Holland. Um, so let's take our time and let's get it right with uh, Reyes. Because Reyes, he's going to be their number one guy. Um, I know Martinez is that guy now. Martinez is good. But Reyes, to me, Reyes has a higher ceiling. He's got a better fastball. Oh, yeah. um, he's going to be that number one guy for St. Louis. Um, and the fact that Luke Weaver will be your fourth best pitcher probably here very shortly it just speaks to the depth that you got it's like the dodgers it's not the dodgers the astros the, the their four man deep their fourth supposedly best pitcher garrett Cole, is liable to win the cy young if he keeps going like he's going yeah. um but, but Car- the cardinals are going to have a devastating starting lineup um hicks will probably hicks will probably hicks will not see i don't think he'll ever be a starting pitcher he, he's uh he's that uh burn fast and burn burn hard pitcher mm-hmm. um he's going to be a potential i think he's going to be the long-term closer or he could be that uh that andrew miller type he goes oh, out there and pitches you know every other night a couple innings um but yeah he he's either gonna be their closer or he's gonna be a new andrew miller but regardless the kid is throwing 102 miles an hour um and it, the fastball has movement oh um, yeah it is sink it, it sinks you think the fastball is going out of the strike zone up high and it drops right in on you um by the time you realize what it's doing you swing you're too late yeah apparently that's um, what it is it's got like crazy late movement and i think that's what confuses hitters because like they think they know what they're getting and it looks like it's just coming right where it's going but then the late movement just got guys looking crazy and then they miss it yeah and and really um the Cardinals that they 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 gave him to temptation to bring him up because he doesn't really he's not refined yet he's still developing his four seam fastball um, he's basically got a a sinker that's that's the pitch nobody can hit and he throws it a lot um, and it works well for him um, but once he develops that four seam fastball he's already working on a I don't even know if it's a slider or a curve it looks like something like a combination of both 
Um, but once he gets that worked out or develops those those third and fourth pitches, the kid's going to be almost unhittable. That's just what makes it so dangerous. It's like he's still working on his stuff. And I think I feel like that's how his fastball worked. So, like, he's throwing 102 right now, but, like, it's getting faster. So I think last year he wasn't throwing this hard. And then the year before he wasn't throwing that hard. And um, – Yeah, last year he was just – 98 was his max yeah. at just that last year. Um, yeah, so he had, he had a big, massive jump course the year before that it was 96, I think. So he went to 96 to 98 and now he's all over 102. I mean, that's just what you get these guys that are these natural athletes and Alex Reyes, before I forget, here's what scouts said about him. I, I wrote some notes down, um, nasty breaking ball. Upper 90s fastball and improving changeup. So he's getting better, but it gets better. Uh, once a generation talent, frontline starter by the end of this year, and he can also throw 102 miles an hour. <laughs> 101.97. That was his that was his stuff. That was his stuff. And um, what makes it more dangerous having these studs is if there's a team that's gonna manage them better and build them up. It's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. So you've mm-hmm. got like, unfortunately, if you're an NL Central fan, you've got like one of the, uh, from a developmental standpoint, probably the best team in baseball that's like getting these guys. And then on top of that, you got Jack Flaherty, who I like to call Black Jack Flaherty because like Black Jack McDowell, Chicago White Sox. He was just an awesome it. pitcher. Yeah, he was, he, was a, he was one of those. Yeah. Loved <laughs> it. And like he, the thing with like Jack Flaherty is like, he he's got a big league fastball that's ready to go, but he he's got great command too, and he's got a slider that's up and coming. And he also, in the one start this year, he was like five innings of one run ball, and he had a cup of coffee last year. I'm pretty sure in the bigs and pitched really well. Um, so depending on if if you you still have Carlos Martinez, and then you've got all these guys you're adding to the lineup. Um, I don't know what to say. I think I'm ready to hang up on you and in this podcast and not talk about any more Cardinals baseball. Well, and, and the and the then the thing is they got a they got a kid a um try, oh, I forget, his last name is Helsley. He's he's already thrown 98. Um, he's going to be another 100 mile an hour pitcher by the time he gets to the big leagues, barring any injuries. Um, the, the Cardinals just have arms all the way down to single A ball, um, and they've they got a. Uh, I'm gonna get his name up here. It's when you accidentally close out your uh, top thirty uh, roster spots. Oh yeah. But yeah, the, the the pitching talent is just ridiculous that St. Louis has. They don't they don't got much coming up in the bat department. Um, well they got they got a few. You mentioned O'Neill. If he ever if he can ever make contact, that ball is gone. He's yeah. their number four prospect. But they've got um, guys but, that I uh, think Harrison, they've. Oh, Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. And then there's a, there's a Max Chirac, um, who Colton Wong is going to hold him up, but, um, he's, he's their best contact hitter. They got in the minors, just their best pure hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but uh, Ryan Helsley is the, is the kid's name, Okay, uh, but he, he's a heat thrower. And then Dakota Hudson, you're probably going to see him up uh, towards the end of the season, probably pitch five or six games for the Cardinals as well. Um, he doesn't got that natural. His his fastball isn't as good as the others, but he's got a um, above average. He's, he's he's still ninety seven mile an hour fastball guy with mm-hmm. a, a slider almost as good as his fastball. Um, so the Cardinals have plenty of pitching to fall back on. Yeah, and as long as they just take care of those young arms, you know, like it does make me a little nervous that like Jordan Hicks is only twenty one, and then they're kind of like 
putting him in here. But then on the other hand, like if he's going to throw a hundred miles an hour here, he's just going to throw a hundred miles an hour in single a or double a. Um, so I hope they definitely just like limit his usage where they have to and all that stuff. Um, oh yeah. He won't, he won't. I, I think, uh, whenever Reyes is ready, I th- you're going to lose. Hicks will not finish the season with the car. We're going to shut him down at 60 or That's 70 good. innings. Yeah. Um, they'll shut him down. Reyes is going to have probably a hard 90 inning stop on him as well. I'm mm-hmm. um, coming off of Tommy John. Um, mm-hmm. You won't see, I mean, yeah, the, the Cardinals are going to have limits on all their, all, all their top guys. Um, Flaherty would probably be the highest, but I don't know if he'll get in soon enough to break 90 innings. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no need to rush this, this pitching staff. But um, Flaherty's your injury guy, right? Like if a starter gets injured, Jack Flaherty's oh, coming yeah. up. And he's ready to go. Flaherty, so. Yeah. Um, and Flaherty's your Flaherty. Yes. Flaherty is your next in line. He's the soon as it, whether it be, whether it be Wainwright or Walker, who seem to be the two that are on that fence right now. Yeah. I wonder, uh, especially Walker. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, what's one of them just fall, one of them's going to fall out and Flaherty's going to go in. That's what I wonder. I'm hoping Walker gets Turned, hope Walker gets it turned around because yeah. I, I would love to see Wainwright be the new closer. Um, Shoot, pull a John Smoltz. Think, That's a he, good move. That's a yes, good move. Yeah, um, I think, and I think he'd be successful there. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Flaherty's just waiting on somebody to to drop out of that rotation, um, either due to poor performance or an injury. Um, but yeah, Flaherty's that next man. Um, he's ready to go. His 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 slider is is a is a nightmare pitch now. Um, it? It, it, it's, he's still, he's still in his, his fastball. He's actually improving his movement in his fastball. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, he's, he's still a work in progress as well, but he's got a couple, he's got, he's got three nasty pitches where he's, he's ready to go and be effective. Um, and he, he could easily finish under three and a half ERA for the Cardinals. Um, to me, he's already a better pitcher than Wayne White or Walker. He's just yeah. waiting for his time to shine. And I feel like a lot of, I think it was last year, like Cardinals fans weren't really too high on like Adam Wainwright pitching. And yeah, I mean, that's a great idea about him going straight to the bullpen because I know John Smoltz got to a point where he just became ineffective. And then all of a sudden he's in the mm-hmm. bullpen saving 50 games. And like, maybe that's kind of the thing with Adam Wainwright where like age catches up to him. So he might not have like a good five or six innings in him, but by now, like yeah. his arms, you know, mature enough where he could probably warm up often and maybe that wouldn't be a hard transition to him. And then like a big part of that is you put this guy in a closer role who knows what it's like to pitch on a big stage in a big playoff game. So if he comes in in the top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth with a one run lead, you know, like mentally, like he's built for this and he can handle it. And surely, you know, with the um the skill set that he has that he's got it for one inning so you've got like the mm-hmm. physical portion of it taken care of and then the mental portion of it taken care of because he can handle that and then if that happens then and i think and you said it like two minutes ago let jordan hicks let him be your andrew miller because in my opinion like that true fireman of like the old like goose sausage days whose goose is crazy out of his head but he was also like a really good reliever like i think your best reliever is best suited for that role to where like if your team's in a bind in the seventh inning and the seventh and you can get jordan hicks to come in and give you like an inning or two and set it up for him 
Like that to me is such a valuable role. And if he's a guy that can start to get a lot of swings and misses and throws that hard, I think if he's your most valuable closer and you can put him in there because you've got Wainwright who can handle the ninth, then that's, that's dangerous, especially when it comes to playoff ball, because that's what a lot of the, you know, successful playoff teams have done is they've, you know, relied on that bullpen. That's what got the Indians there. That's what got the, uh, you know, the Kansas City Royals, their title. And, you know, when the uh, when the Cubs won, they, you know, kind of had some guys they could fall back on in the bullpen. Yeah, the Astros had a good bullpen this, this oh, past season. They did, um, yeah. You did to run the series because they had a good starters, good starting rotation too. But, no, when the bat when the weather warms up, the bats are probably going to warm up with it as well. And I think the Cardinals gave away 41 games where they lost the lead um, due to their pitching staff. And I think they lost 19 in the ninth inning. Um blown saves um the cardinals have got to if they can figure out their ball pin issue get a solid closer whether that be wainwright or maybe that's holland mm-hmm. um but between one of those two and jordan hicks now if, if they would have cut half of those 41 games out this past season they're headed to the cubs yeah um mm-hmm. but but yeah the, the cardinals their their achilles the bats were there last year their achilles heel of that ball pin and, and their closer row yeah um they couldn't not finish games because I want to say, like, Trevor Rosenthal, like, he pitched last year and kind of fell off. And then O, yes. I don't know his first name, like, he kind of fell off. Um, okay, I'm going to say one thing real quick and then ask you a question. Um, on Twitter, there's a Twitter account called MLB Quality of Pitch. And they've got, like, this crazy data that measures just that. Like, what the quality of an actual pitchers pitches are so for example like your quality of pitch um for a curveball um the league average is 4.50 um i don't really know what that means but i know adam wainwright is at a 5.84 on his curveball which is listed as excellent quality and on twitter they posted numbers related to jordan hicks and the stuff that he throws and I just lost it. So this is an interlude on the greatest show on dirt. Um, if I had a funny joke. But yeah, while you're fine, Wainwright still has excellent rotation yeah, does. on the ball. And that's um, that's how you know he's got the power to give you one good inning. But Jordan Hicks, young, young, 21-year-old Jordan Hicks, he's just allowed to drink. The MLB average is four and a half on this like quality of pitch scale, right? So his overall quality is a 5.35. That puts him in the top 3% of MLB. So you, you can look at his data and be like, oh, like he's walked some guys or like whatever. Like he's 21, so hiccups are going to happen. But when he's on and the quality of his actual pitches, it's the top 3% of MLB. All MLB pitchers, top 3%. His velocity is obviously first. We already know that. But there's some pretty good stuff in here too, like his horizontal break. On his pitches is a top 7%. And then, like, location, top 37%. Vertical break, top 41%. Low rise, top 27%. This kid, like, deep, deep data stuff with the way his ball moves, it's top notch right now. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, the, and then you had, I think it was Todd Frazier who made the comment after facing the first time said things like, that's just not fair. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes, you know, what the hell? I've seen a lot of pitchers. Yeah. Frazier has been, he's a veteran. And whenever he sees a pitch, like, that's just not fair. Dude, yeah, <laughs> he know? goes, and just walked away from Hicks. Like, okay, I, 
this shouldn't happen. Yeah. Like, how, what in the world just happened? I think he looked back at Yachty and goes, what the hell is this about? Like, what is this, man? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a guy that I know has, like, been teammates with Aroldis Chapman on, like, two different – Two different occasions, so like he's seen fast stuff, and I think it was the splitter that he saw as well, and he was just like, "What is this stuff like? I like I don't know what's happening right now, but like I've never seen stuff like this in my life, man. Like the, he said, this isn't fair. He goes, this isn't fair. Like I can't hit this stuff. I can't do my job right now. Ah, that's the stuff that makes it so fun to watch is when baseball players like recognize the good stuff and they're like, I can't deal with this in my life right now. Like this is the worst. Um, <laughs> So what do your NL Central power rankings look like? Like you got five teams. We know that the Reds oh. are like the worst team in baseball. Like right now, like who is your number one? Who do you think is going to win this division? I still think it's going to be the Cubs who will take the, the Central. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the Cardinals, Cardinals in the match, are, are, I think they're going to be the wild card teams. Um, I still think the, the Cardinals are going to hit 90 wins, I believe. Um, so the, the the Cubs need to know that. <laughs> now they may want to they may want to shoot for at least mm-hmm. ninety five hundred wins because um, St. Louis is coming. Um, the Brewers are not bad, and they're going they're going to give the Cardinals a fit for that for that final for that wild card. But I think pitching is going to what's going to separate the Brewers I, from the Cardinals. And I cannot believe they did not as cheap as Jake Arrieta and as cheap as Lance Lynn was. Why the heck the Brewers didn't pick up one of those guys? They were there. And on top of that, Jimmy Nelson's going to come back before the year's up, I think. If they would have picked up one of those guys, because I said on the podcast, I thought Lance Lynn would have a better season than Jake Arrieta. And I, I kind of still think that, I think, but I don't know yet. Yeah. But Lance Lynn signed for $12 bucks. Like, where were you at on that, guys? Like, you could have easily picked him up because, like, the Brewers have a guy named Josh Hader in the bullpen who throws literally looks like he's Andrew Miller out there just with, like, longer hair. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting yeah. one because, like, if Zach Davies pitches well, and then they've got that guy Brent Suter who, who was a bullpen guy who I think can give you five good innings. Um, and then Jimmy Nelson comes back. I mean, there's still like kind of some potential there to do some damage. And I know like the Brewers love to hit home runs. Like I think they lead the National League in home runs now. Last year at the All Star break, I think they were leading the National League in home runs. Like they pound the ball, and they did just need some pitching. Yeah, and they've got plenty of office. They got an outfield that is Shoot, yeah. They've got too many quality outfielders. They like, they're going to have to set. Kane's going to have whenever which Yelich is hurt for him. When he comes back, Kane's going to set. Santana's going to set. You've got too many good players to play in the outfield now. You do. They for um, sure. They've got so much depth in their outfield right now. Um, and realistically, I'd be probably looking to trade one of those guys for a pitcher. I figured they <laughs> would do that. I figured they would do that with Domingo Santana. Like I don't know if they could. I mean, I imagine they would probably like to get rid of Ryan Braun first. Like, nobody gets booed more in their home stadium. Ryan Braun is such a jerk, though. Like, he is a primo jerk of baseball. But, um, I mean, they got some studs. Even, like, a guy like Jonathan VR, I think, had, like, an off year last year. But in 2016, had a really good season. I mean, they're pretty loaded. And um, I don't know who I think is going to win the division if – I feel like today um, the Cardinals finally got above 500. And part of me thinks in my head that the Cardinals are kind of having a delayed start because their pitching 
like what just wasn't ready yet. So like Carlos Martinez just pitched today, like seven innings of two hit ball. And you had told me that like he had some off season stuff going on. So like mm-hmm. Carlos Martinez is there as an ace. Like he's an ace. Like he's one of the best pitchers in the national league by far. And like, he's the type of guy that if he's on, you can have him Madison Bumgarner, your wild card game and just beat whoever you're pitching because he can throw you 120 pitches and just pitch the whole dang game. Like, that's what Carlos Martinez can do. But he's a little late to the party right now because he had some offseason stuff going on. Adam mm-hmm. Wainwright gets hurt. So, like, that's a little bit of a shuffle. They have a bullpen that flutters at the end of last year. So, like, Greg Holland's coming in a little late. Then you got young Jordan Hicks who's got to kind of come into the zone. So what makes me nervous about the Cardinals is I'm thinking, like, post-All-Star break that what's this starting rotation going to look like? Like, if if Michael Walker is just not going to do what you think he's going to do post-All-Star break, am I looking at uh, Martinez, Wainwright, Weaver, Lizard King, Flaherty? And Lizard King's got good quality pitch stuff. He had a good start yesterday. And his quality of pitches on the website I just went to, like he's doing good, even though the numbers might not show it because his first two starts weren't that good, you know? But when you're eating lizards, he probably had acid reflux. You know what I mean? Like eating lizards. I don't know what to tell you, man. And Um, and he, it it is, no, he was, he was adjusting. He's coming from, you know, Japan just like Otani did. Um, It's mm -hmm. a little bit different. He just got back to the major leagues. Um, but no, he, he, which I, today I'm, I'm behind the game on Santa. So I just watched him pitch today and, and he looked good. His Who'd you watch pitch? I missed you. Who'd you say? Um, Carlos? Um, Michaelis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, his, his control is there. Um, yeah, but yes, St. Louis's pitching is going to come around, but yeah, it's, I think after the all-star break, you're going to see Reyes, I, Flaherty, yeah. um, Somebody's going to have to clear. Somebody's going to clear out for him, um, whether that be uh, Michaelis or Wainwright or Walker. I worry These that it's going to be Walker. I'd rather it not be, but I worry that it might be. It, he he well, he just has his his control. Mike he needs control, and he needs a solid. He's a ground ball pitcher. Um, he needs ground mm-hmm. outs um, or some short pop ups. Um, and he's, his control is not there, so he's not getting it. And the St. Louis's defense, well, it's better this year, but the corner still needs some work. Martinez had never has never played first base in his life Holy until this year. Crap. Don't even get St. me started Louis. on Jose and, uh, Martinez. Unreal. <laughs> he's 6'7". Like, like Aaron Judge gets like a lot of love because he's like 6'7 and as big as a house. Like, Jose Martinez is a 27-year-old rookie who is absolutely raking raking in St. Louis right now. And um, I know I've got him on like one of my second fantasy baseball teams. And like, I'm smoking you this week in fantasy baseball, but like I got Paul D young, Tommy fam, like those guys can hit some baseballs. And if, even if like Waka doesn't do what you think he's going to do, maybe he just goes to the bullpen when the playoffs start. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and he's, and he's certainly, he probably will. I don't, I don't know if so. Well, they they trade Shelby Miller, and I didn't think they'd do that. But oh, they did. I guess they could trade him. Yeah, I guess. Well, he just wasn't going to. I mean, maybe they saw the writing on the wall because that was the guy that was picked that was like had number one stuff, right? And then oh yeah, he was supposed to be potential ace. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but oh, yeah, and they, and they, they 
But did you see Miles Michaelis' yeah, home yeah. run? Did you see his home run? Oh yeah, I oh, couldn't yeah. believe it. it. I was like, "What the heck?" I think he had some funny post game comments. I wish I remember what they were, but I mean, I think he probably was like, "I guess I just got kind of lucky on that one." I don't know what happened, but well, dude, I, I can't remember. his exit velocity. I think was 108 or 109 Get miles an hour. Out of here with that. And it was it was it, it had a higher exit velocity than I think Bryce Harper's first four or five home runs. That's ridiculous. I mean, he crushed <laughs> that ball. I can't believe it. Only only the Lizard King does something like that. Like the the Japanese sensation that hits the first home run is Miles Michaelis and not Shohei Otani. Like, what yeah. in the world just happened yeah. here? But like I Japanese think Babe Ruth. <laughs> I called him the Babe Ruth of Jupiter because he's li- he's from Jupiter, Florida, where they play the uh, spring training games for St. Louis. I yeah. think he's he's like, yeah, I'm happy to be playing in Jupiter because I'll just ride my bike to spring training. And I'm like, that's right, man. Never get too famous, you know, keep riding that bike. But like I've got like I think the Cubs will win the wild card. I don't think they'll win the division like the f- third year in a row. And I think it's because of what the Cardinals second half can look like but a common thing like on twitter is like people are saying if you're freaking out that the cubs suck like you're just a fair weather fan like get out of here right so if you go on any sort of social media and say you're worried about the cubs performance you're gonna get crucified like people are gonna punch you in the face and you're gonna have to delete your twitter and just make up a new one (laughs) but like What makes me nervous about the Cubs are like a few things. One, I watched a lot of White Sox baseball last year, so I saw Jose Quintana pitch a lot, and there's a lot of stuff that made me nervous about him. So, for example, even Hawk Harrelson can call a baseball game. You can call him a homer, a grumpy old man, whatever you want, but he knows his baseball players. And one of the things he talked about with Quintana is he's not good when guys get on base. And... You would see that with Quintana last year when he was with the White Sox where like guys would get on base and then they would hit him and they would just clobber him. And there are a lot of lingering like side effects with this Cubs team that we saw in 2017 that are still happening in 2018. So, for example, like last year, teams that were like under 500, the Cubs were only two games above 500 when they played them. The Cubs had a lot of starting pitching problems last year. And this year, a lot of those problems are carrying out. So we're still seeing like a shaky Jose Quintana. You've got a consistent Kyle Hendricks. You've got a John Lester that's kind of aging. And then you have a U Darvish where like, I don't know what's happening with U Darvish, but I know in his last five starts, he's only pitched five innings. He's only pitched more than five innings one time out of his last five starts. And the offense leaves more guys on base than any team right now, but they did a lot of that same stuff last year. Chris Bryant is not a good hitter with runners in scoring position. The whole entire team is not good at hitting with runners in scoring position. So I'm not like a fair weather Cubs fan or someone who's like the glass is half empty. I just know there are certain trends around the offense and pitching staff that were consistent last year. And I know last year they won 92 games But in the second half of the season, they have the easiest schedule in all of baseball. And this year, the Nationals and the Cubs have the easiest schedule in all of baseball. So they, they, yeah, they won 92 games last year, but it's just these underlying, like, eye test things where you're just like, man, they strike out a lot. They strike out a ton. And that's the type of stuff that makes me nervous with them. 
Yeah, the and I think the pitching will come around. I, I really think that the cold weather has is affecting everybody. Um, I think it for sure even, affected even Quintana hitters. yesterday. Like the pitching yeah. got him for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, Darvish is a concern for me because of what happened in the playoffs. Like, what's his mindset? Yeah. Um, you know, how is he mentally? But the, the biggest, which you're, you're and then you kind of, you dwelled on it for a while. The the biggest issue with the Cubs is that situational hitting. Um, a lot of lot of, I mean, St. Louis almost matched him for run for run an RBI last year, and that should not have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Cubs did in most offensive categories were, were league leaders, um, and a lot of them. But they should have been blown blowing teams out of the water with yeah. their with their RBIs, their run counts, um, their their batting average. That they have so much offensive talent, and and you you're you're, you're delivering, but you're under delivering for all the talent that you got. Um, you should be out hitting the Astros, well, no problem. The oh, Astros 100%. should not have been that offensive team last year. The Cubs have more offensive talent, but they weren't playing to Houston's level. No, it's because they're uh, they're the, they're a feast or famine team. Like they score a lot of runs, but like they'll score like thirteen and fifteen runs in a game, and then get shut out the next two games. Like multiple times this season, they've went like fourteen innings without scoring a run, and then they'll like score a run, and then go another eighteen innings without scoring a run. So it's almost like from like a pitching perspective, like they can be shut down. And that's the thing that makes me nervous. Like they'll have guys that pitch against them that are like no name starters. And all of a sudden they'll shut them down for like seven innings and one run ball. And then the Cubs are going two games without scoring a run. But then the next game they'll score 16 runs. And like, it's so consistent. I feel like part of that might like inflate their run total all of a sudden. Um, yeah, I don't, man, I don't know. They just, they strike out. A t- I mean, it, I hope the pitching comes around for sure, but yeah, you're right on the U Darvish thing. Cause I thought him coming over to Chicago, my thing with U Darvish was he just needs an environment where he can be himself in because he throws his pitches move like they're a wiffle ball in the backyard. It's like a UFO buzzing through the sky or like someone's controlling him with a Nintendo controller. It's, it's almost not even fair, but yeah, it's like stuff happens with like what happened in the world series. And then he's had, you know, not really a, I think he started three times for the Cubs, and two of his starts haven't been real good. Um, it's hard for me just to figure out how a guy with such good stuff just doesn't. But that's why, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's all mental. That's what makes me nervous about it because, like, his strikeout totals, like his K's per nine, are so high, which I love because in a league where like the home run is such a big thing, you know a pitcher's ability to strike a guy out's nice because if you got guys on base and you really need that K, mm-hmm. I like that, you know, but I love Kyle Hendricks. I think Kyle Hendricks is geared to be like the ace of this staff for sure. And hopefully they come around because the Cubs, like you said, man, they've got a lot of talent guys like Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber, Rizzo, <clears throat> Bryant can really hit a lot of home runs and put the ball in play. Um, but the Cardinals make me a little nervous. The Pirates, I don't think they scare me a whole lot because I don't think they have the pitching no, the, for it. The, the, the Pirates got off to a, off to a real good start, and the last ten games are still good. I think they've won seven out of their last ten. Um, but no, they're playing Miami right now. Do you want to know what's, do you know <laughs> what's crazy? Playing, yeah, <laughs> but what's crazy about the Pirates though is I think they have a really good offense. Like Colin Moran's the guy they got in that um, Verlander or not Verlander in the Garrett Cole deal. Colin Moran can hit a baseball. 
Corey Dickerson, they somehow scraped off off the waiver market, who hit like nearly 30 home runs last year, who's hitting really good. Then like Josh Bell, Josh Harrison, Starling Marte. I mean, like, I know like they sold off last year, but I begin to wonder if like that Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon letting those guys go, maybe wasn't a bad thing because um, they, they got some pretty decent stuff in return. And I haven't had time to research it. But somebody tweeted out on Twitter for like um, a podcast or something listened to because apparently there's a lot of talk in the Pirates clubhouse how the dynamic is so much better now that McCutcheon and Garrett Cole are gone. I don't know if I believe that yet or not because I haven't read it. But I've at least got reason to believe that the clubhouse is in pretty good shape. And if the uh, the owner of the Pirates and the, will allow the GM to kind of spend some money, um, they could be good because I think they got the young hitters for it. But and then the Reds, they're a dumpster fire. They're real bad. Oh, the 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 Reds don't even have a farm system. Um, I, I can't understand how they they traded off so much of their talent and you did and they got some minor leaguers, but they didn't really get any good ones. No, I guess not um, because they, still they got one of the worst farm systems. They got they basically got two ball players, Billy Hamilton and Joey Votto, and of course they do have uh, Nick. Uh, what's it? Sinzel? I don't know if I can pronounce his last name right, but so they do have one good third baseman. Oh, they got the, Scooter Jeanette too. Scooter Jeanette can hit a baseball um, pretty good. I think Scooter but, uh, had some good I stuff. I mean, there is the the Reds are going to be in baseball purgatory for probably the next ten years. They got a <laughs> dude. They should unload Votto. Votto is like has the best baseball vision as a hitter of like anyone in major league baseball. Like they should trade him for just like a ton of prospects to a team that could use a first baseman. Cause he could help someone win like um, right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you have to. Yeah. And that's what I would do. You just, cause you're not going to win with him. You might as well get rid of him and build no. for the future. So you can be good again quicker. I mean, I'm trying to think um, of a team that could use like a really like good first baseman. I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't, I have no idea. Um, but I mean, and the, which the Reds do have that. Uh, I can't think of that pitcher. That they got a good young pitcher, but he's he is years away from being ready. Is he play? Is he pitching um, right now, or is he in the minors? Oh, he's in the minors. He just came out of high school. Oh shoot! Um, okay. uh, oh, Hunter Green. Hunter Green. Yes, Hunter Green. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna um, be Hunter phenomenal. Green. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he's still three or four years away. Oh yeah. yeah. That's if things go well. Um, but yeah, I would just. Yeah, let Votto go because which Cincinnati is probably trying to pull Chicago Cubs. We're going to detonate the team and use Votto so we can sell some tickets and just rebuild. But it's going to take time. Yeah, um, but they're not going to be a threat for a while. That's all right. I just feel bad for the Reds fans. I guess I don't know. I, I get but, mixed. Uh, I get mixed sometimes when I think about like these tanking rebuilds and stuff like that. We're like. I don't know sometimes how much I like them or if I don't. I don't know because some teams win and like they never do the full tear down and rebuild. But then other teams, I guess, just feel the need to do it. I don't know why. And, and it's yeah. How do how do you operate? Like St. Louis has you now worst case now they're five hundred for a couple of years and all of a sudden they're contenders again. Honestly, I feel like um, the Pittsburgh Pirates could do that. I love the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup, man. I do their offense. I love it. I love the guys they got. I think they're young, and I think if their guy ever wanted to do something, if they could just develop some pitching or get some pitching, you know, they might be doing all right. But, yeah, uh, Cardinals never have to do that sort of stuff. I mean, the Yankees didn't, but they've got the payroll for it. I commend the Giants for not breaking it down. I mean, I think it's great for a fan base to have some sort of faith in your team Mm -hmm. because I know when the Pirates offloaded, like Pirates fans were trying to start a petition so the owner would sell the team because there's no trust in it anymore after what the Marlins have done so many years 
and then um, a lot of people not liking the way Derek Jeter's doing things. Like fans are smarter than ever, and they don't really take that crap anymore, you know. Mm. But who knows? But hey, man, I am. Um, we're at like an hour and thirty seven, so I should probably let you go, man. I know you're you're a t ball coach. You got a lot to do. Thanks for not beating me up, man, on the podcast. I didn't know. If, I didn't know if you were gonna like talk about like me sleepwalking or like peeing in the toy box or like any of that no, sort but, of stuff. But 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 I will. I did. I did use you in a, in one of my sermons last week. Yes. What'd you say? Um, Tell me what you I, said. It was the you no know, the uh, the conversation where, which for the audience, my my brother Quentin. Oh my gosh! You told him my name he, too. I'm so excited for this. Lots of sleep, lots of sleep. <laughs> I told um, man. And, and he would say a lot of weird stuff in his sleep, and you couldn't wake him up. But I come home from we're, we're both working, and this was before the day of cell phones, so we both we had a landline in our bedroom. Yes. Um. With, we, we and we paid extra for the caller ID, and uh, I came home from work, and I seen my best friend. My best friend had called, so I wake him up. I shake him like Quentin. <laughs> what Bryce want? He's like, when? I'm like, did you answer the phone when Bryce called? He's like, yeah. Well, what did he want? And Quentin goes, what did who want? <laughs> like, Bryce, what did he say to you? And then you just laid down. I didn't answer my question. So I started shaking you again, like, Quentin, did you talk to Bryce? Yeah. <laughs> what did he want? What did who want? <laughs> Bryce, when? Like, just 15 minutes ago, when you talk, you just couldn't have a conversation with the guy. I, I did a lot um, of sleep talking, man. I feel like one time, like, oh, Andy yeah. Knepler, like, knocked on the window, and, like, I looked at him and went back to bed, and then, like, remember we were watching, like, Pulp Fiction, and I started, like, talking in my sleep or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a, uh, um, I think it was during the, uh, when Samuel Jack, the, the, the Hawaiian burger scene, where he's drinking through the Coke and yelling and oh, shooting, yeah. shooting the guy. Um, at that moment... Uh, you're asleep in front of the TV, and you you had a friend standing. And I, all of a sudden, in your sleep, you go, you go, glock, glock, glock. I just kept you fool. <laughs> of course, I think you may have actually cursed at that point. But Probably. Yeah, <laughs> Probably. I mean, because around that time, like I was watching a lot of like Pulp Fiction, but I was also like heavily binging like Friday because there was one summer where I discovered the movie Friday, and I watched it like a hundred times. And like my favorite term was to tell someone they were about to get dealt with. And I was like, you about to get dealt with son. And, uh, like that was my thing because I thought I was real cool, but like, I couldn't beat anyone up. What am I saying? But, um, I love Friday, man. That was it. But, um, I'm sorry. I threw your he-man toys in there, man. I don't know if I've ever issued you a formal apology for like ruining that sort of stuff, <laughs> but that's so. usually one of those things that you, that you're like really proud of. Like, Hey, no, he-man, all the, my brother had all these he-man toys, all of them. I fed them to the dogs. I gave them to the dogs, man. You know, we're going to have a lot of fun stories that are come out on this podcast, man. I do. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I know. Hey, like you're super busy dude this was so fun like out of anyone i could think that i would want to talk baseball with like all over and over again like it would be you and plus like i know there's going to be a lot of like brotherly stories coming up like teeping people's houses and stuff like that so like i'm super excited for it and um <laughs> uh yeah man i guess we'll end this thing man you don't have to hang up dude i'm just gonna like hit stop for a second but um okay i'll give like an outro man thank you everybody for listening to the greatest show on dirt Uh, This is Quentin. This is my brother, Jonathan. And we'll do this again. But other than that, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.